0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Let's make the case for and against every Auburn quarterback going through spring practice. Some of our reasoning may surprise you, and we sit down with Auburn head baseball coach Butch Thompson. All that on today's Locked On Auburn.
2: Well, Zach, I I actually just finished crushing some chicken parm, and I am... Freaking ready to rock and roll! You are
3: locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerbee. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It is a War Report Wednesday, so Mike G of the War Report hanging out with us as he does every single. Wednesday. I want to make the argument for and against every quarterback on Auburn's roster going into spring. And we mm, could start I, with any of these guys, Mike G mm, we really could. We really I, could.
0: I see you woke up this morning and chose violence. So is that right? Yeah.
1: Let's, is that right? Let's well, in that let's case, let's start with D Davis, because I think that's the guy that most people have uh, an, an opinion on. And so, mm. uh, I guess the reasoning for D. Davis being the starter and winning the starting job in spring practice, because once again, I cannot stress enough, I've, I really believe this is a wide open competition. Right. And so the argument for D. Davis is, I think you could say, he has a chance to prove that he's the most athletic quarterback in this uh, this pecking order. Um, but on the other side of it, I think you could question the fact of is there a fit? Will there actually be opportunity given to him? Uh, but the biggest thing to me is, uh, you know, he he didn't play last year, so the experience is not on his side, like it would be with with TJ Finley, or um, or Zach Calzada. But he, the the talent is there, and is that going to translate instantly? Because it's going to have to happen pretty quick in spring practice.
0: Yeah, I'm mean, listen. Uh, what is discouraging is is that he didn't make a stronger move toward the end of last season, and there were clearly reasons that. Parsons was kind of keep him, keeping him in his back pocket. So I, I kind of push against the notion that he's not a fit okay. uh, because I think he's been unfairly labeled as, you know, a running QB. And the truth is, if you watch his tape prior to Auburn, he did, you know, a lot of his work from the pocket. He's accurate with the football. You know, talking about a kid who was over 70% and not just, Completion percentage, but I'm talking about on-target passes, so putting balls in good positions where receivers could catch it and make plays. I would not say he has the strongest arm, but you overcome arm strength with deadly accuracy. And He's got got that touch, too. Yeah, I mean, he really can lay a ball out there well for a receiver, so... You know, at the end of the day, he's he's been in there. Now he knows what the expectations are of this coaching staff, and he chose to come came come back. He didn't jump in the portal, right? He's here. Right, which means that he thinks he's got a shot to at least move into the number two spot going into the season. Now he's got four years left to play, so I'm not sure D. Davis is really in a hurry as long as he thinks that he's got a shot at it. Now, why won't he play uh Zach maturity? I think that do the little things matter to this coach. The off the field things matter, how you handle yourself, you know how you, how you practice day in and day out. All that stuff matters to this coach. And there were some reports that maybe uh, he was struggling with just kind of becoming the off the field and practice leader that he needed to be to be the quarterback of this team. So um, I had my doubts about whether we would see him on the field or not in 2022. Uh, but there are some reports that he's made up a lot of ground since bowl game as well. So, Good. looking forward to seeing him play on the field.
1: Right. Uh, a guy that I just mentioned, um, TJ Finley. I think the making the case for TJ Finley is an obvious one. He was the number two guy. And then, you know, last year, Auburn's number one guy left. And so, you know, I think starting spring, he will be the number one quarterback, especially because Zach Calzada is going to miss – uh, a lot of it is going to be, you know, very limited with that non-throwing shoulder. So TJ Finley has a chance to really kind of separate himself uh, with uh, with winning this job. But on the other side of it, I think we've all seen what TJ Finley can do. I do think last year it's unfair to judge him based on that because I think when he was put into that situation, I and I said this when it happened, Mike G, but like I think he was set up to fail, not because anybody intended it to happen, just because that's the way the circumstances were. I mean, as a starting quarterback, you're supposed to get better with your offense around you over the course of the season, and he was dropped into it um, with just a few weeks left in the season, and that's just, it's it's really, really tough to do. That's really, really tough to do. So um, that is essentially, you know, the, the pros and cons of, of TJ Finley. Somebody said yeah. it best in the Discord during the uh, during the Birmingham Bowl. When T.J. Finley drops back, God flips a coin because there's no telling what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, experience is king. And you you cannot deny that the experience that he got at the end of last season gives him an edge in this quarterback room going yeah. into the spring. So he does have that edge. You know, why he won't start will be because of him. It's consistency. right? Man, he's just got to show it. He made some NFL-type throws when he was on last season we just didn't see enough of it and i think that i attribute some of that to him just being inconsistent and some of that was the situations in which he was called upon i don't think it was fair to judge him based on those situations Mm -hmm. right so at the end of the uh mississippi state game like give me a break dude i'm not looking at anything he did at the end of that game and, and judging him based on that but south carolina where you had some time to prepare, and he missed open receivers downfield. And that's on TJ Finley. So he'll need – consistency will be the reason that he will or won't start.
1: Right. Mike G, our guest on this War Report Wednesday, I want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is delicious. It is covered 100% in Milky, pure chocolate, and it's good for you. High in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, low in carbs. And there's a ton of different flavors based on whatever you like. I like the coffee-flavored ones. Um, My favorite right now, it's a limited flavor, but they have it every few weeks, is the the caramel macchiato bars. Uh, We actually have a fresh box in our pantry at the Blackerby household. It's delicious. So be sure to check all of them out at Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at com. Also want to tell you about our friends at Fetch Me Delivery. Uh, Fetchmedelivery.com is the best place. Actually, <laughs> we're waiting on Fetch Me to, to show up at our our door right now with dinner um, just because it was a long day. It was a long day at work, and my wife and I you know, we're, we're playing with our one-year-old, and we just didn't feel like cooking. So we'll let Fetch Me do the work for us. They're reliable, and uh, they're fantastic folks to work with. And they just recently launched uh, FetchMeAlcohol.com. They are the only folks in East Alabama delivering alcohol uh, to, to folks right to your door. They've got over 3,000 products that they are uploading um, to their website. So be sure to check all that out at FetchMeAlcohol.com for your alcohol delivery or FetchMeDelivery.com for your meal delivery. It's a War Report Wednesday. Mike G., what all is going on at the War Report?
0: Ah, we got a lot of great things going, Zach. So uh, hit us up on YouTube. Uh, we've got our Patreon memberships. Ike is starting to put out uh, some of these basketball breakdown videos where he's cool. breaking down key uh, moments in the game. So uh, as as being a patron, you get access to that stuff. We're going to be doing even more of that this spring with draft profiles for some of the guys going pro. Uh, video draft profiles as well as you know spring profiles for the guys who are coming back. So lots going on at the War Report. Become a patron, be a part.
1: Absolutely worth every penny. Check out the War Report on YouTube. All right, let's move to another quarterback that we can talk about, and we already kind of hinted the you know why he possibly could not win the starting job. Is Zach Calzada? He is my mm. pick currently to to be the starter. Um, when it's all said and done this fall. But it's interesting, and I think it's not good for Auburn in their offense, the fact that he will be severely limited um, based on everything that both you and I are, are hearing about spring because of that non-throwing shoulder. You got to think he'll go through the mental aspect of it, but still the timing and, and all of that, you know, with all these new wide receivers that he's going to have to work with, um, I, I think it's an issue. I think it's a big deal that he's not going to be able to work with those guys in the spring but you got to think he'll have the playbook memorized uh, from front to back several times over just because he's going to have to, to, to win the job.
0: Yeah. I think, listen, why he will start is experience. Yep. Uh, He started just about a whole season in our league at quarterback. You know, this was a guy who took down Bama. He had a really good game, that game, and he can do some things. He's, he's not a statue back there. He's you know surprising mobility and he can throw the ball. He can rip it. I mean, he's got a cannon. So the good news is, it is his non-throwing shoulder that he had surgery on, but he will be limited this spring of what he can do. So yeah. um, he's going to have to find a way this summer to make up time throwing with his receivers. Uh, I like Zach Calzada. You know, he is right now, if I had to pick an absolute front runner, all things equal, it would be, it would be Calzada. He played behind one of the worst O-lines in pass protection last year. Texas A&M was terrible, Zach. And they replaced their entire O-line, their whole O-line left after the 2020 season. So he had a tough task in front of him, 55% completion percentage. It's not anything to write home about. You're not going to get excited about it. So uh, again, I think this is another one of those guys that kind of holds his destiny in his own hands. If he can show the coaches that he can be consistent and reliable, he's going to have a really good chance to win that job.
1: Right. Right, and you could say what you want about Auburn's offensive line. Is it great? No, but it's uh, I mean, it's it's above average when it comes to pass protection. And they're going to have to replace a few things. Is that going to carry over to next year? We'll have to wait and see. But based on what we saw last year, and I think all Auburn fans are hoping uh, if the offensive line just gets a little bit better than it was a year ago, I think the offense could go a lot farther. And Zach Calzada can be uh, a part of that. The last guy, Robbie Ashford, is an interesting one because... To be honest, when I have conversations about the quarterback position going into spring, I kind of forget about him. And it's no disrespect for him, but, like, I I feel a little bad about it just because he kind of slipped in there, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Nobody made a whole lot of, you know, hoopla about it. It's just like, oh, okay, Auburn's got this other transfer quarterback coming in, and he's a local guy-ish. He's from the state of Alabama. But he's got a ton of athleticism, uh, you know, two-sport athlete in Oregon – there's a lot to like about the guy. He just hasn't done it yet, but that doesn't mean he can't.
0: Mm-hmm. Listen, uh, fans may not know who Robbie Ashford is, but Brian Harson and his staff do. Yeah, so uh, he'll have just as good a chance to win that job as anybody in that quarterback room. He, again, two sport athlete. He's he is a pure athlete just a pure athlete that can go out there. He can throw well, he's mobile. um, So he's got above average uh, speed for a quarterback and he'll be able to do some things, you know, kind of like a Demetrius Davis type, but taller, Yeah, you know, and maybe a little stronger. And uh, you know, he spent a year, if you watch his spring tape at Oregon, he threw some impressive balls out there. He had, he had command of that offense and I, I really was a little bit in awe of, of, as like the third quarterback out during the spring, mm-hmm. how solid he looked. He looked like a really solid option. So Oregon fans were looking forward to Robbie Ashford competing for the starting job this spring. Um, there were I, I wouldn't say they they weren't exactly crying when he left, but they weren't happy either. Yeah. So he will be missed. And Robbie Ashford, you know, we got to jump on Robbie Ashford coming to, to, to Auburn. You know, he was at bowl practice uh, before the Birmingham Bowl, and the coaches gave him a look and, and saw something they liked. Yeah. You know, he's willing to come in here and compete, and I really feel good about any guy who's willing to look at an incumbent, T.J. Finley, or a guy like Zach Calzada, and say, I'm going there to compete for the job. Right. But I think that says something about the intangibles that he might have.
1: Yep, and that's a Brian Harson type player, too. Mm-hmm. To, to Not think running like for the moment. Yep, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, we're going to cut to these uh, these second ad reads uh, a little early just uh because... We talked with Butch for a a good bit. Lindsey Crosby and I did. So uh, before we get into that, Mike G, uh, g give us one more kind of plug for uh, The War Report.
0: Hey, go check us out on YouTube. We're on every single social media platform, but we live on YouTube. Become a patron member. We've got some great things going over there. January to July, Zach, we're uh, doing a lot to keep fans engaged with Auburn sports. So check us out at The War Report on YouTube.
1: Yep, check them out, guys. Absolutely. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Online. Dot net. Football's over, but basketball is, um, is hot right now, as well as other sports like hockey, boxing, UFC, all the odds at betonline.net. Be sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device, uh, mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts.
3: NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.
1: And we are now joined by Auburn head baseball coach, butch Thompson coach. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really Appreciate it. You got to feel good, uh, I, I assume, about how, uh, how your guys
2: played out in Arlington this weekend. Well, yeah, we had a great experience, you know, getting to play the the three schools that we played in Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Kansas State. Yeah. You know, those those are three great coaches, you know, Skip Johnson and uh, Tim Tadlock and, uh, co- of course, Pete Hughes. Just getting to play those teams, Um I think Texas Tech and Kansas State's first time Auburn baseball has played those in history. So yeah, it was a great experience uh, for a coach. You know, if you drop the first game and you win the next two, that shows a little bit. A coach likes to see that. Um, but it is three of the 56 games and it's one weekend. So if we'd have won three games, hopefully we're preparing just as good today. If we'd have lost all three, um, you know, you guys might not be saying nice things about us, but at least <laughs> we'd still be intact and, and, and working, but, but winning two out of is probably, you know, it was positive. Um, there were some really good things that happened. It looked like the starting pitching was in control. The defense traveled. You always like to see that in baseball when right. you can go to a, a venue and your defense really hold up that way. Our, our bats were slow to start we wound up having a good game three offensively, but, uh, Got to play in a big moment. You got to play in what it felt like was a Friday night in the SEC ball game in and in a two-to-one game. Uh, a, a lot of things happen. Um, we'll see moving forward how we, how we build on some things that we didn't do as well. And if some of these perceived strengths from a small little glimpse will we'll hold up with some consistency.
1: Coach, you've talked about this you know, a, a ton over the last few seasons, but early in the season, it's all about getting information and, and learning more about your roster and your team and the rotation. What are some of the, what are some of the things that you got to walk away from this weekend learning about the specifically the the pitching rotation?
2: I thought a poise is a word that I would use. Yeah. Um, you know, we're trying to build up a off surgery for 10 months and, and Tommy Sheehan, the transfer from Notre Dame, um, and they locked him down. They fouled all, everything off that he was throwing up there, and he was at 33 pitches. We had hoped for 60, but 33 in one sitting is too much for me to be comfortable with. And we went right to – we were in a piggyback system, knowing that he may only go two or three to begin with, so we were not alarmed or, or set back and had a good plan for that. And Jordan Armstrong went four scoreless. Um, the poise of Joseph Gonzalez the first five innings against Texas Tech in that environment – that was very much a road game for us with how many Texas Tech people showed up at the ballpark and his his poise was off the charts. And same thing. I just carried that into Sunday and Trace Bright got us off to a great start and was just five innings, you know, two hits. Uh, those guys showed real poise for us. And, you know, you know, pitching was our biggest challenge, Zach, from us from last year to it being the you know, three or four seasons we had had before with, uh, you know, playing really good baseball, and that was our challenge. So the poise of those three men on the mound, I think, set the tone. And uh, and then being in that one-run ball game and getting to the last three frames and Carson Skipper, a, you know, a senior doing good work for us, uh, and then Blake Burkhalter, the guy that we tried to advertise as our closer, was at least successful in that first opportunity. And, you know, really – you know, we got to face some left handers. We had to face a Washburn in the two hole that went four for five on opening night versus Michigan. And arguably, you know, some around the country feel like we had to face Jay Sean, you know, the the best position player in college baseball. And for us to have success there, hopefully their guys can bank that. But the starting pitching and then that's a good example of a close ball game in the back end holding up, I think good for us.
3: You know, you you talk about those two guys in that Texas Tech lineup and and how potent they are. Joseph Gonzalez seemed to be making a concentrated effort to to establish the slider early and and, and really show improved break, improved control. Is that something that you guys discussed and was an intentional decision of the coaching staff, or is that just part of players playing the game that they're comfortable with and what they wanted to do?
2: Well, you know, Armstrong and Gonzalez – bright to a lesser degree but armstrong and gonzalez are more about like when 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 i've had some of the best staffs in america i had a four-year run there before i got back here and it was a lot of sinker balls um, armstrong and gonzalez feature that and we've been so vertical stacking the last few years in college baseball to see if, how hard you can throw it and can you throw something up in his own you could throw a breaking ball that would tunnel and share space with it but these guys are back to some guys that I love. It's the sink and it's the slider. Um, uh, it's the Tim Hudson style is, you know, at least for this weekend, it held up so well. Um, uh, but but Joseph, just th- having a second pitch and being able to throw the slider first, it allows the fastball to play another foot. But, yeah, Washburn and Young are two great examples that we just mentioned, are left-handers that you don't want to get up out over the plate for them to have those big – softball swings um, and, and the sink helped with that. The sink was a, they were able to get a slider over early. Now the hitters got to respect that. Now his will start turning to thinking. And, and then when they do get the fastball, if it's running down and away from him, um, you, you know, it played well. We, we did think a sinker was the best way to kind of, I mean, it seemed like all their guys looked like Nate LaRue on our team. They were all 6'4", 230, and they had a whole lineup of them. And, 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 you know, it's one thing to say to try to pitch and get beneath them. It's another thing to show the poise that I mentioned, but also the conviction. It was not a timid uh, way to go about it. And we had to throw to a thimble. Both teams, mm-hmm. uh, the Texas Tech umpire was as tight as you're going to see in a college baseball season, and, and our guys did well. We walked too many, uh, but we didn't give up many hits. And, uh, you know, no extra base hit. I think we give it one extra base hit on the weekend for a college baseball staff against three Big 12 opponents. I, yes, I'm not going to allow me to talk to you or my team and talk about warm and fuzzy. I'm going to say the score takes care of itself. But there's some things you can draw out there that was done at a pretty pretty high level for an opening weekend.
3: Yeah, and, and talking about doing things at a high level, Trace Bright on Sunday seemed to be Better than he has been recently at at getting strikes on both sides of the plate, and then really doing a lot of work high to low to kind of change a batter's eye level and keep him off balance. Was that also something that he's specifically worked on, or did it just happen to work out game flow wise and strategy that that was the approach he took?
2: Well, you know, they were thrown into something last year. They were not the one, two, and three. Yeah, <laughs> but when one, two, and three missed six to eight weeks, they became you know having to step up and try to play some of those roles. Um, They're more prepared for it. Uh, That's another six to eight to ten months of like, hey, these are the things i got to get better at and do. And at least for one outing, you at least – they can claim that, hey, I'm doing some necessary things that will afford me success. So I think it's some growth and development, and it's a backhanded – it's a backhanded positive that they got to get some experience last year, even if it was – tragic at times um it's helping them more if they'd had to set the bench it might be a slower start they got to really pitch and grow some last year maybe before they were ready and before we wanted them to be in some of those spots but it it could be to their advantage now because here recently even the months leading up since we've been back in january they've been executing at a higher level and i think it's because of the experience they got last year and then just Natural growth and development. They want to be great. And they worked hard at that in this off season to get to get ready for this moment. And that's what was so good about going on the road, playing great people the first weekend. We kind of just jumped off a cliff and survived. And then that's a good thing.
1: Sure. Coach, what was it about this off season where I mean it, it seems like there's really been some, some some buzz around this program with I mean, you, you talked about it before a few weeks ago about Operation Atmosphere. Auburn Baseball sold out of season tickets. My family was part of that. We're season ticket holders supporting you guys. But what do you think is about it this offseason kind of you know, going into this season?
2: I just think people believe in our program and think we can be competitive. And I think we had shown that You know, going to Omaha for the first time in 22 years. Yeah. The program's only been to three Super Regionals. We've been to two of those. Um, so I think people still believed in our program. And uh, it's... Thank you for for, you know, being part of our program and buying those season tickets. But 20 was the first time that we had sold out the park and actually we eclipsed that rate this time. So we've sold more season tickets than ever before going into the season. It's not coming off World Series. We didn't get to come off that World Series and and have that park packed. So Operation Atmosphere, there were so many things that we had planned for 20 because, we were felt like a young program that built up to a certain level and we didn't get to enjoy it. Yeah. And I think our people just realize it like, all right, that was rough, but we believe that this can be one of our good programs like so many other of of our sports. And so people stepped up to the plate for us. I've tried to remind our players of that operation atmospheres to honor students because we've done so good in some other sports and Mm -hmm. baseball and some others. We need to transcend that and grow that out where, a student if he wants to have a baseball experience that may, you know, maybe not rival the jungle, but jungle's part. I was with those people yesterday. We're trying to get the jungle as it rolls and basketball finishes that the jungle comes and, you know, does some things for us. We've created a space for them. Um, uh, Operation atmosphere is just a hunger to help us take the next step. And it's been six and a half years since I've been here. Some, Uh, Some facility things are starting to happen. I think there's something big on the horizon. Operation Atmosphere finally getting to the students. This stuff didn't just come overnight. It's just it was tabled a little bit, and now that we feel like, hey, let's go, and it's an important time that everybody, students, our fans, our people in our community, and, you know, hopefully our players and coaches do our part too, uh, and we could all meet at a great place. But this this can be a blast. Uh, We are – absolutely looking forward to this season and you know I like our players and I like our coaches and I like the preparation that we've had and uh, we are so so aware of how many people are behind us right now and we intend to uh, to give them our best each and every day you know you mentioned the, the
3: facilities and you have that lovely new spot out behind right field for the the, the pitchers and the hitters to work in how have you taken some of the the baseball lessons that Coach Shoop taught you, for instance, you know, the, the stuff that you've been following for years, it holds up. And how have you adjusted that to account for all of the new information you can get from a track man, from a Rap Soto, and still keep it simple for the guys? Because I feel like it's really easy to have information overload.
2: Yeah, you can overcoach in anything, right? You can overcoach your child. You can overcoach, uh, if you're doing any sport, you can overcoach anything. Um, so... One, it, it's incumbent upon us to keep trying to grow and learn and have people. We've we've outsourced some some analytics people because really, um, you know, my playing days was non-existent. Tim Hudson, as great of a career as he's had, winning two hundred twenty-three games, that stuff was was maybe starting to happen right at the end of his career. So we are outsourcing not only for. To help develop our players, but to teach the coaches, and so we have to take every bit of that information and get it down to the simplest form before it's in, before it's introduced to the players. You you can't give the. <laughs> we're, we're not trying to give you know algebra algebra seven to the players. We're we're trying to get it down where it's one plus one equals three, and what would create their best version of themselves, and and that's hard mm-hmm. because everybody likes to talk a big game and talk about everything that they know. And if you – Coach Shoup, the greatest – one of the greatest thing he told me, Lindsey, is to teach what you know. And I think what bad coaches do or bad instructors do um, is they just, you know, they guinea pig this thing. And they like – they think something's right and they throw it out there. Um, and if it's not true, it can lead to a lot of problems. Um, so teach what you know. Learn more where you can teach more. But just stay in that realm of teaching what you – which you know is very important,
1: Coach. You guys return home to to Plainsman Park for the first time this season as we record this Tuesday afternoon. You guys are getting ready for Troy um, Wednesday at at five o'clock local time. What uh, what can we expect? Uh, what can we expect from the Tigers uh, Wednesday evening?
2: Yeah, we better throw some lefties. I, I expect uh, Troy to come in here with about six left-handed hitters. They opened up very successfully at home versus Holy Cross. Uh, Schuyler Mead's a new head baseball coach. He's been the pitching coach at uh, South Carolina. Uh, good friend, a really good pitching guy. Uh, they've hit 12 home runs. The Auburn Tigers have hit zero. So can we keep them in the ballpark? Can we take the sting out of these left-handed hitters? Um, Sheehan's left-handed to get us started. Um, we're, we we want to get him going, but we threw him opening day. So that's that's enough respect right there for Troy that we would bounce him back quick and try to – Get twofold for him to get us off to a good start and him to hopefully start growing and navigating because we really believe in Tommy. Um, Carson Skipper only threw the one inning. So you can look for Carson Skipper, Hayden Mullins, you know, some of our best left handed offerings. um, we'll, we'll probably be in that game. Burkhalter will be back up. I know we yeah. got Yale coming this weekend and we better play good against them because we'll probably work for them one day. These guys are <laughs> brilliant. So but we're, we're going to let Wednesday happen before we get to the weekend and try to put our best foot forward. Cause we know we're going to face a, a four and club that feels good and got a new coach and, you know, bring trying to bring in a lot of momentum and we both feel like we have it and you're, you're either trying to get it or keep it uh, uh, momentum and, uh, both teams are coming in feeling pretty good about themselves, even though it is early on. So, it, it should be a good ball game before basketball kicks up. We've moved up to five o'clock. Uh, that game, um, we're, we're hopefully some of the Auburn fans can can have a great night taking in a couple of exciting contests on campus. You touched on
3: on teaching guys and kind of educating them just real quick on my podcast, Locked On MLB Prospects. We talk a lot about how professional teams struggle to find good catching prospects because so many college teams now call the games from the dugout. And Auburn's been a team that historically has let the players on the field call their own game and kind of go through. Can you shed some light on your philosophy as far as how it comes balancing the needs to win the games with the balancing of developing players and developing men,
2: really? You're touching in an area of change. So in in 19, um, we did about half and half before that. Our players absolutely call their own game. I, I think it creates more conviction and more ownership and actually more growth. I think at the end of the day, if you can't if – a, if a pitcher after a ball game can't get on, you know, an interview, uh, maybe with you guys, and he can't – maybe if Coach Thompson or Coach Hudson hadn't called that slider an eighth out of one, the ball game, uh, when that's removed and then you can't pass the buck, then you're, you're you're getting closer to getting to choose the option of ownership yeah. um, this year. Uh, I asked, I did ask Tim because we have the electronic communication. How many pitches did you call this weekend? And he thought it was less than ten a game, and so we held up. We felt like we held up very well, giving up three or less hits in each of the nine inning ball games, and I, I think ten hits on the weekend and four earned runs in a three game series against three Big Twelve opponents. So, a lot of conviction and ownership. So when you talk about Armstrong or we talk about Gonzalez or we talk about Burkhalter. We talk about Trace Bright. See, they can bank that. That was them. That wasn't Tim Hudson thinking for them. Yeah. That was them having full ownership. They had great outings and they made great decisions. And I just think that builds a better man. When, when we had Casey Mize, when Steve Smith came here as a pitching coach, it was Casey Mize's junior year. and Casey was really concerned. He'd come in and said, I don't want Coach Smith calling my pitches. And I'm like, I won't let him. <laughs> and he wound up being 1-1. One, one, but Casey walks out of here with ownership, and do not we don't go with them. You know, they don't get to a point, and they go 1-1. One, one, and then I go in the Detroit system with them, and he I'm a security blanket for him to try to make it to the big league. So yeah. you better do a good job coaching them. You better make some decisions of like, all right, I got him for this moment in time. How am I going to help him be a better man? Am I going to set a good example? And what are the teaching methods? Um, so we run our own game not just to try to build a better man. Uh, we think it builds a better picture, too. I, I think it's a win-win in all these categories. Um, is there some suffering? Yeah. But if you're hanging around and you're at the end of the season, that's how you can hook it up. And I, I've loved that about some of our postseasons in the past when everybody's like, Yeah, you're done with them. Just understand, I think our concept plays up. And when you get in a pro park like last weekend or you get in Omaha, Nebraska, it's really hard to coach players. Home plate mm-hmm. is so much further away to win a national championship than it is like, for example, here at Plainsman park, these players must be prepared. And I think I've had 13 major league ball uh, pitchers since 2014 or whatever it's been. Uh, It's because they were able to run their own show. And I think that is an advantage.
1: Coach, thank you so much for your time. I know you're extremely busy with the, with the start of the season. So thank you again and uh, best of luck on Wednesday and best of luck this weekend.
2: Yep. Zach Lindsay, appreciate you guys. War Eagle. War Eagle.
1: That does it for today's edition of Locked on Auburn. Thank you so much to Mike G and the Warpore here. So go check those guys out. They do a fantastic job, and um, we've got a really, really good relationship with them. So be sure to check them out if you have not already. And also, thank you so much to Coach Thompson. Give us about 20 minutes of his very, very busy day. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll chat again with him soon. We'll be back tomorrow right here on
3: Locked on Auburn.